Today I want to talk to you about three aspects of faith. Three aspects of faith. For those of you that are guests or new at Church of the King, two or three times a year I'll teach you a book of the Bible. I always do a book of the Bible this time of the year because if our kids go back to school, how many know adults ought to go back to school? Isn't that right? So we're going to learn the scripture, First Peter. I'm going to encourage you to read it, to study it each week. I'm going to be teaching through it. Today I want to talk to you about three aspects of faith. I'll go through, I'll read just about every verse. I'm not going to teach on every verse because we'd be here six months, not six weeks. But hopefully it whets your appetite to dive deeper into Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles. He's writing to exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. He said, you've been chosen through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And you've been sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be to yours in abundance. It's the beginning of a letter. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you through faith, and you are now shielded by God's power. What does it mean? Watch this. What does it mean to be shielded by God's power? Isn't that a powerful concept? Your life is shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Three aspects of faith, if you're taking notes. Number one, I want to talk to you about vibrant faith. Vibrant faith. Look how Peter introduces his letter. He says, hey, I'm Peter. I was with Jesus. I'm an apostle. Now let's talk about you. Let me say it again. He says, hey, I'm Peter. I walk with Jesus. I'm an apostle. I was a disciple. I'm now called to be an apostle. But this letter is not about me. It's actually about you. I want to talk about you. He follows that with... As I talk about you, I want to talk about who you are. He flips the script. It's not about my identity. I want to talk to you about your identity. What I found is, in not only this letter, but in the Christian life, one of the greatest ways to be able to watch is stand up under pressure and amongst suffering on a personal level, a professional level, wherever environment you may find yourself is. One of the greatest ways to be able to stand, to not recoil and give in, is to know who you are in Christ. Peter knew the challenges of this first century church. And that's why he wrote to them and he began to just kind of, it's almost like a machine gun. He just goes, boom, this is who you are. This is who you are. Listen, listen, not who you used to be, but who you are now in Christ. He says, your identity in Christ, you are chosen by God. Watch this. You're chosen by God. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. You're abundantly covered in both grace and peace. You've been given a new birth, a new birth. A distinctive difference between Christianity and all other religions is this. Not only did our Savior rise from the dead, but when we trust Christ, we are actually born again spiritually. Are you one of those born again, Pastor? You bet I'm born again, according to the Bible. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless one is born again, they can't see and enter the kingdom. You're born once from your mother's womb. You're born twice from above as your spirit's alive as you trust in Christ. You're born again. You've had a new birth. Everybody say new birth. Question. I'm asking all of you, all of our locations, have you been born again? Have you received a new birth? 
Peter said you've received a new birth. You've got a living hope. You have received an irrevocable eternal inheritance. You're shielded and preserved and kept by God's power. What is Peter saying? The foundation of coming out of darkness is knowing who you are in Christ. The reason why we give ourselves to lesser things is because we have forgotten who we are in Christ. Uh, the reason why we give our thing, ourselves to sin and to, to things that are less than is because we forget who we are in Christ. When we know who we are in Christ and we know whose we are. And Peter says... The way that you'll be able to stand and not give in, the way that you'll not capitulate and recoil and, and, and yield yourself to antithetical values to the kingdom of God is you've got to know who you are in him. Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? Peter says you've been sprinkled, you've been washed, you've been cleansed. A vibrant faith begins when you understand you've been born again. You have a new identity in Christ. Christianity is not a moral improvement program. Your morals do improve, but it's a byproduct of an inner transformation. It's not that I'm ascribing to a value system intellectually, but my insides, your insides, if you've trusted Christ, you've received a new birth. A new birth, what does that mean? You've been born once from your mother's womb, but you've been born again as you've trusted Christ. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. Now on the inside of you, watch this, you receive a new identity. You're a new person. Yes, I'm still 5'11 and three quarters. Yes, I still have all the same physical characteristics. But when you trust Christ, you receive a new identity. You become a new person in Christ. That's why there's a new power to say no to sin and yes to God. Your desires change. Your, your dreams change. Your, your ambitions change. Why? Because now you live under the lordship of Christ. Peter said you have received a new birth. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. You've been shielded by God's power. We cannot overestimate enough. We can't underestimate enough. Let me say it that way. The impact that happens when our souls are made alive in God. Look at verse 3. He says this, in his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope. They were challenged with difficult times. Years ago, there was this study I read about. It was called, it was a psychological study. It was called the phenomenon of hope. That hope, when you see hope come into a human soul, when somebody feels hopeless, what happens to them psychologically and emotionally, but when hope comes, when hope comes into the human soul, hope in this earthly sense is so often based upon circumstances, but hope for the believer is based upon the resurrection of Christ. We serve a God, listen, we serve a God that did not stay dead in a tomb, but was raised from the dead. We, we serve a Savior that has been raised. And the Bible says the same spirit. Everyone say same spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and quickens your mortal body. That's eternal hope. You can be facing a challenge with a child. You can be facing a health challenge, a financial challenge. But when you have the living hope of Christ on the inside of you, Jesus is not way out there for the believer. He lives by his spirit in our hearts. And quickens us. That's where dead dreams come alive by the resurrection power of Christ. You go through a horrific situation. It's painful. Hope comes not because of circumstances for the believer. But it rises up like a geyser. It rises up on the inside because of the resurrected Christ on the inside of us. It's a living, living hope. There is a thing in our culture called identity theft. So many of us are concerned about that. We should be. Somebody get your credit card number. They, 
Start acting like you, start charging things. Can, can I thought about the identity theft and how painful it is, but can I tell you something that's greater than somebody getting your credit card number? It's when the devil lies to you and tells you what you're not. You forget who you are. He says you're a loser, you're filled with shame, you'll never be. And wait a minute, he's lying to you. He's stolen, he's trying to steal your true identity, and he's trying to suggest to you a false identity. Do you, do you know when you live out a false identity, the pain it brings, when you live out a God's identity, that you're a child of God, you're a woman of God, you're not that old person. You're not who you used to be. You're a new child in God. You're, you've been washed by the blood of Christ. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. You've been shielded by God's power. You've received an eternal inheritance. The enemy wants to watch us steal your identity and tell you what you're not. God's trying to tell you who you are. The enemy's trying to tell you what you're not. Ah, you'll never be. You can't. You won't. Peter knew that with his first century church, and that's why he was telling them over and over the way that they could stand as exiles in their own country, but yet they were disconnected from often family and friends because of their faith in Christ is they had to know who they were in Christ. They had to understand what took place in their hearts. Some people, when they say the word faith, they think only a core set of beliefs. I want to talk about that for a moment. Faith to you, what is faith? Faith is both a noun, a belief system, but it's a verb. It's an action. So I have a faith, my faith. And you'll hear this. Sometimes people say that, you know, do you have faith? Yes, I have faith. Faith, that is a noun. I, I possess it, I, a faith. I have a set of beliefs of faith. But faith is more than a set of beliefs. Faith is actually, watch this, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a relational action where I believe. The Greek word is pistos or pistuo. When you have faith, faith is not just a set of beliefs. Faith is a trust in someone. Do you trust God? Not do you have a set of beliefs only, that's important, but do you trust God? That's an action. Do you faith God? Do you trust God? Do you pistuo God? Do you, in other words, not only do I have a set of beliefs, but do I actually put those set of beliefs into action where I trust the one in whom I believe? Let me give you some different types of faith. Number one, I have what's called, I wrote down, a hand-me-down faith. Some people have a hand-me-down faith. Well, I just kind of go to church, and I just, I really don't know exactly everything, but just kind of my grandma did, my mom did, my dad, and so, but how I many you know a hand-me-down faith doesn't get you into heaven? A dynamic, personal faith in Christ gets you into heaven. A hand-me-down faith, you could have a set of beliefs. Well, my uncle was a deacon at a church, praise God, but that doesn't get your soul saved. They may have prayed for you, and by the way, that's a great thing to have a godly heritage, but a godly heritage doesn't save you. Who saves you, his name is Jesus, and you personally have to trust Christ. I, I teach this all the time. Christianity is a team sport except two times. Number one, when you personally, nobody can trust Christ for you. You personally have to trust Christ. You're by yourself in the presence of God. When you trust Christ, somebody can pray for you, somebody can pray it pray with you, but they can't pray for you in the sense that they can't make the decision for you to surrender to Christ. And number two, you're going to be by yourself when you stand before Christ one day. When you trust Christ, you're by yourself. When you stand before Christ, you're by yourself in the sense of it's you and Jesus. In between there is the body of Christ. You can't go to heaven on a hand-me-down faith. You have to have your own faith. Number two, the second type of faith is what I would call an up-in-my-head faith. Well, I just kind of have these belief systems, you know, just kind of intellectually. That's wonderful. You can intellectually kind of understand some tenets of Christianity, but do you have a vibrant, living faith on the inside of you? Do you trust Christ? 
The Bible says in James chapter 2, it says, even the devil believes and trembles, but he doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So does your faith translate, watch this, does your faith stop at your chin or does it keep going down into the heart? Some people only have a head faith. God's calling us to have a heart faith. Nothing wrong with having a head faith, but it's got to be more than that. Another type of faith is what I call a slot machine faith. Some of y'all know a lot about that. <laughs> no, not this church, the other church. But anyway, so this is a conditional faith. I'll believe God if I hit the jock jackpot. I prayed this prayer. It didn't happen the way I thought. I thought God was going to give me the parking spot. I thought this was going to happen. It didn't happen. I don't believe God anymore. Is that your faith? Is your faith that shallow? They just kind of like spin the dice and it just didn't work out the way I thought. How many know we live in a broken, fallen world? Things don't work out sometimes, but God is still God and he still loves you. He's still your savior. He still died for you on the cross. He still was raised from the dead. The fact of the matter is that we can't put our faith in our circumstances always aligning in perfect unity. Can I tell you something? God wants to change our circumstances, but first he wants to change us. Slot machine faith puts faith in changed circumstances and not in God. Or do you have a vibrant faith? This type of faith is not only a mental acknowledgement, but it's a living, vibrant, heart faith where we trust Christ. Yeah. Peter said, this is the faith. This is the faith that saves you. It's faith in Christ. Number two, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So we have vibrant faith. Number two, I want to talk to you about tested faith. In this, he said... In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trouble. Peter's writing to these Christians, again, modern-day Turkey, Bible times Asia Minor. He's writing to these Christians. They, they've been born again out of, they were Gentile, they were pagan Gentiles that didn't know Christ. And, and now they have this new faith in Christ. And he says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, everyone say little while. For a little while, you have had to suffer grief. Number one, there's vibrant faith, a living faith. Question, do you have a living, trusting faith in Christ? That he's your savior, that you love him, that you serve him. Number two, when you get born again, when you come to Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, guess what happens? Your faith is also tested. You have a vibrant faith but also a tested faith. Peter is talking here about grief. He's talking about trials. He's talking about not so much what trials are, but what trials accomplish. How many times in our lives do we not understand what's going on when actually we're experiencing a trial? And if we understood the intention, in other words, if we understand the why, then we can have wisdom to do in the what. But we, when we don't understand the why, why is this happening? If you understand the why, same thing in business. When you know the why, you know how to be able to execute strategy. It's when you don't know the why, the what feels so confusing. It's so painful. Peter said, in all this, we greatly rejoice. Now for a little while, we've had to suffer grief. I thought it was interesting when I looked at this verse, that there's two words that oftentimes are mutually exclusive that are actually in the same verse. One is the word rejoicing. Everyone say rejoicing. And the other is grieving. Do you often see those two words hanging out in the same? Rejoice and grief. Wow. The Greek word for rejoice is apaleo, agaleo. And it means to, 
to express joy, barely expressed audibly. It's, there's such a sense of joy on the inside. There, there's such a sense of joy that it's even hard to articulate it with words. Agaleo, to rejoice. And then he says, and the next word is lepeo, and it actually means to experience deep grief. How do you experience deep joy and deep grief in the same verse? Peter is giving an insight of the Christian life here. So many times in the Christian life, we think that these are mutually exclusive terms. And when we're excited in life and we're experiencing great joy, we go through a painful time, we think, where's God? Hold on. Grief and joy can coexist in the same moment, in the same season, in the same life. I don't know. Sometimes we get mad. We think, well, God, where's God? And what is God doing? And everything was going well. And time out, time out. Who said, who said that life is going to work out all the time and under all? God didn't say that. But he said he'd be with you. He said he would encourage you. He said he would help you. I remember as a kid. I was either, either going to have a good day or a bad day. How are you doing? I'm having a great day. How's your day? It's a bad day. Can you have a good day and a bad day in one 24-hour day? According to the Bible, you can. You can have tough circumstances. Grief, what is grief? Grief is, is when the body psychologically, emotionally, and physiologically deals with loss. But when you do it God's way, you don't just end up with dealing with loss. There's actually joy at the end of the tunnel. Matter of fact, Jesus himself dealt with, watch this, he dealt with grief and joy simultaneously. Seeing the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, if you understand the why of trials, you've got to get this. The why of trials is that God is not just putting you through and allowing pain for the sake of pain. It's the sake of purifying your soul. It's the sake of growing something on the inside of you. It's purifying your faith. The reality is, is that when we go through trials, if we don't understand the why, we could really miss the what. Chapter 1, verse 7. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the genuineness of your faith, how do you go through a trial? How do you go through a test? Two people can go through the same trial. One can grow through it, and one can get bitter in it. it all based, it's all based upon, do you know the why? Why are you going through this? What's the outcome of my faith? Why am I going through this, oh God? God, is there, is there, is there joy? Is there joy at the end of the, is there, can I? Is there something that you're doing in me, God? These have come... So that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. Whoa, gold's introduced here. Where'd gold come from? Which perishes, even though it is refined by fire. Oh, I'm getting an insight. Peter's talking to us. Okay, we're understanding, Peter. This is making sense. Refined by fire may, be, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, so there's a, there's, you're doing something on the inside of me. You're, you're doing something on the inside of me. Wait a minute, there's an analogy of gold. Now, I know that we probably don't have any goldsmiths in the church, maybe one. Maybe they're watching online. But Peter likens the Christian life and trials to the refining of gold. You understand the process of how gold is refined. Don't miss this. This is going to so help so many of you because you're struggling with the why. If you understand the goal, the goal is God is doing something on the inside of you. 
And I'm not getting hung up on, did the devil do it? Did the world do it? Did God do it? You're going through a trial. What's the purpose? How, how do I go through it? By the way, it's for a little while. Everybody say a little while. How many of y'all grateful there's a, there's a new day coming? But, but I can't tell you that. You got to understand the why. Here it is. Here it is. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Gold. Gold's an interesting, it's an interesting um, mineral. It's an interesting thing. It's those of you that have ever, maybe you've seen in these little towns panning for gold and you see little stores. I remember one time years ago in Tennessee, I, I read the whole history of how they pan for gold. And of course, they, and then they went out to California. People, you know, gold rush, you know. But gold is an interesting, when you mine gold and you get it out of the earth, it's, a, it's an interesting mixture of dirt and clay and all these other minerals. And so it has to be refined. It doesn't come out of the ground as an earring. It doesn't. Now, now here, here's how it's refined. It's actually, watch this, this is so powerful. How many of y'all believe the Bible's inspired by God? Come on, anybody believe that? We believe that. In this church, we believe it's infallible. We believe it's inspired by God. And yet God uses things, culturally understandable things, to give us pictures. This is a picture of the faith that's being tried by fire. Your faith. Gold is placed in a crucible. And gold is heated up. Watch this. When it hits 1,943 degrees. You can read about this later. When it hits almost 2,000 degrees. Here's two things that happen that are very unique. Number one, the first thing that happens are, is the impurities surrounding the gold that are in the, watch this, the impurities come to the top. The second thing that happens is the gold settles down at the bottom. So in other words, the fire, everyone say fire. The fire purifies the gold. The fire doesn't destroy the gold. The fire purifies the gold. So the fire, what the fire does is, watch this, the fires gets the impurities to come to the top. You know what happens? The goldsmith comes at the end of the process and removes the impurities. And you know what's left? Nothing but settled, firm, beautiful, refined gold. When you're going through a trial, if you understand the why, what is the why? God is testing my faith because he's purifying my faith. He doesn't want me tossed around by every wind of doctrine. He doesn't want me tossed around by things in culture, what they believe today, what they don't believe. He wants me to be strong in my faith, sure in my faith, my foundation. Watch this. So I'm going through this trial, all of my flesh patterns and my attitudes and all those sin habits, they're rising to the top. And God, the Holy Spirit, the ultimate goldsmith is removing that. And my faith is settling deep, deep, deep in God's word. I shall not be moved, refined faith. Refined faith. Refined faith. That's what God wants for your life. When you're not knocked around by a bad report, but you're standing in faith. When you're not knocked around by something that happens with a kid, but you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved, me and my household. Your faith is refined. Your faith is pure. You're not knocked around by things in culture or by who's in the White House, who's not in the White House, who do we... Your faith is in God and you're not shaken. Man, there's a faith that God is trying to produce in us. Refined by fire. Refined by fire. Yeah. Many of you may have read a couple weeks ago that Mary Young... The author of the best-selling book, she sold 45 million books, Jesus Calling. She died a couple weeks ago. I don't know if y'all knew that. She was 
close to 80, and she, but, but her whole life she struggled, not her whole life, but her whole adult life, for years she struggled with Lyme disease. And we believe in healing in this church. We believe we trust God. We stand in faith. But can I tell you something? Can you still love God even when the healing hasn't manifested yet? Can, can your faith still be strong? Hey, I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. And you know what? Out of that place of refinement, can I tell you? And she was trusting God and she was believing God. But God did beautiful things in and through her life. Trust God. What is God? Listen, what is God doing in the deep places of your heart right now? A trial... And a test often reveal the places in our hearts where we don't trust God. And God wants to remove the impurities. Quit fighting God. We, we fight the devil. We don't fight God. We stand in faith against it. But we let God penetrate our hearts. Penetrate our hearts. To, to take things out that need to be taken out. Watch this. To put things in that need to be put in. Number three, the last point, look at verse 8 and 9. Though you do not see him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Don't forget the context. Peter's writing to a church and a group of Christians that feel they've been exiled by their faith. They're living in this area, and, and he's trying to encourage them. You may not see God. You don't see God, but do you believe? That's what he's saying. <clears throat> you don't feel him. You don't... He's trying to take them out of any sense of Thomas' faith. Do, I've got to touch his hand to believe. That's not biblical Christianity. We see and it produces belief. We don't have to see. Listen, it's like, well, I mean, we believe it produces what we see. We don't have to see something in the natural first. We, we believe. We trust Christ. And then we see the outcomes. Then we see the transformation. It says you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is God doing? And God is working in some of your hearts right now, and you've not understood what he's doing. He's after something. He loves you. He cares about you. But he's after, he's, he's trying to strengthen your faith. You've been tossed to or fra You're up and down and up and down. And yes, the vicissitudes of life, the changeableness of life. I understand it. I have emotions. I get it. But God is trying to settle your faith. Strengthen you. Well, you can have a good attitude regardless of what's going on around you. The result of your faith, the result, of, the outcome of your faith, look what he says here. The result of your faith, to the praise and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ, the result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's trying to strengthen your soul. He's trying to strengthen your faith. I know some of you guys have been through some tough things. Life is tough. And man, I am so sorry about that. I know life's tough. I know things, people have gone through stuff and challenges and business challenges, family challenges. And didn't work out the way that you thought. Things didn't work out. But you know something? God loves you and he cares about you and he's using that. I don't care about the cause. I'm talking about what he's doing in you. He's working in you. I don't believe all bad things happen in this earth God calls them. I think we live in a fallen world and there's a real devil. But can I tell you something? Even the bad things that happen in this world, God can still take them and use it to do something in us. To strengthen our faith. To purify our faith. So that you're not knocked all around. Every time some little thing happens, you're, there's a settled faith. Impurities go up. The gold comes down. Settled. The flesh goes up, your faith settles down, settled in the word. 
the result of faith. I'll close with this. Can you believe in a God that you don't see? If you believe in a God you don't see, you will see at some point in time. I know where my life was before I came to Christ. I know where it is after I've come to Christ. And by the way, I'm not perfect. Trust me. Ask my wife. Don't lose the why. Don't lose the why. I'm talking to somebody right now. Don't lose the why. Don't waste the pain. Don't, if you lose the why, you waste the pain. If you lose the why, you waste the pain. God is working. God is working. God is working. First, James chapter 1, consider it pure joy. It's two things. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials because you know that the testing of your what? There it is again. Say it. Faith. The testing of your faith. It produces. It produces. It produces. It's producing something. You can either become bitter or better. Watch this. You can either get, you can either check out or you can dive deep. Let your faith go deep. Let your faith go deep in God. Deep in his word. Deep in God's word. Deep in who God is. Deep in God's presence. Knowing it's producing. What is it producing? Patience. It's producing the fruit of the spirit. There's nothing sweeter and more beautiful than seeing a, a dear saint of God, a woman or a man, that it's grown, they've grown in God and they've weathered these trials of life and they've got a good attitude and they trust God. And you know their story and you know that they've gone through things. And you know what happened with the kids and you know what happened in life and you know what's... But, but, they're, but they love God and they're strong in God and they're not moved by circumstances because their faith is settled deep in how many of y'all want that for your life? Come on. How many of y'all want that for your life? I want that in my life. Peter says your faith can grow like that. Where does your faith come from? It comes from God. God initiates the faith. But our faith grows as we yield to God. As we don't fight God. I, I feel like I've got something. Quit fighting God. Don't fight God. Why are you fighting God? Don't fight God. Yield to God. He loves you, he cares about you, and he's working in those deep places of your heart to heal you, watch this, and to strengthen your faith. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads, all of our locations. If you do not know Jesus Christ, the very first thing Peter talked about, sprinkling by the blood of Christ. If you do not know Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you've come because somebody's invited you to this series. and Maybe you're watching online, whatever venue you're in right now, any of our campuses. Jesus loves you and he cares about you. And here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Being a member of a church can't save you. I tell you what I can do. I can point to Jesus. He's the one that loves you. He lived for you. He died on the cross, was buried on the third day. He rose again. What do you have to believe? All of us have sinned. You've got to recognize your need for a Savior. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He paid the penalty for your sin and mine. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me. I'm not at peace with God. I want to surrender my life to Christ at the count of three. I'm going to ask for a show of hands at all of our locations. If that's you, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you up top. Every single one of you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. You're not sure about your relationship with God. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. Yeah. God loves you so much. He cares about you so much. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that right now? Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, 
Everyone, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. For those of you who are making the decision right now to follow Christ, I just want to say that this changes everything. You are loved, you are forgiven, and hey, scriptures even say that when you belong to Christ, that you are a new creation in Him. And I want to encourage you with two things that might really help you, that it's really helpful to have really good resources that will help you understand what it even really means to follow Christ, and then also walk with good people that will help you and walk along you as you grow in your relationship with him. So go ahead and click the link um, on the screen right now or in the chat and it'll just lead you to some really great resources and connect you to some really great people. Yes, absolutely. Like we said earlier, you're a part of God's family now and we want to celebrate that. As a matter of fact, right where you're at, throw yourself a little five-second praise party because we want to celebrate you. That's a huge deal. And if I could just encourage you in one thing, man, it is keep showing up. If there's one thing I've learned in life, it is that if I just keep showing up, that's more than half the battle. And so we believe, and we're going to join our faith with yours, that God is going to do something so, so special in and through your life if you just keep showing up. Yes, and I just don't want you to forget about Sisterhood Night coming up on September 19th. That's less than two weeks away. I'm so excited about it. So don't forget about inviting a friend. I know I will, and we're all gonna sit together and it's gonna be the best time ever. So don't forget about it. And we can't wait to see you next week as we continue our message series titled Out of Darkness. So we'll see you same time. Same place. Bye guys.